finished our journey <clears throat> of the seven churches of Asia uh, that uh, the Apostle John wrote from the Isle of Patmos, uh, starting at Ephesus and then going to Smyrna, and then up to Pergamum, Thyatira, starting heading south uh, to Sardis, and then Philadelphia, and then finally Laodicea. And on Wednesday night, we, we um, had a review of those, and I just wanted to, to, to point out for a while, I'm not, I don't want to get too far ahead into Revelation 21 and 22, but we're going to get a little far ahead in Revelation 21 and 22. Uh, a little bit, uh, when we talk about a new city, an, or another city, maybe a better way to say it, another city, a city that we're all wanting to go to. That's why we're here today. So we want to see what the Bible says about this, um, this city. Sometimes it's called Zion, sometimes it's called uh, just the word Jerusalem, and sometimes it's called the New Jerusalem. Uh, those are um, synonymous, I think, in, in different contexts in the Bible. And <clears throat> did the seven churches of Asia, did they need encouragement? They surely did. Do we need that same encouragement? We surely do. Surely do. So all the bad things that they were going through where literally over a period of 300 years, there were hundreds of thousands of Christians that were killed, that were martyred in all various ways. Uh, so I've heard the high number I've heard is maybe as many as a million uh, were killed for the cause. So, and he even said to some of them, some of you are going to die too, he says in Revelation 2 and 3. Um, so they needed that hope, and we need that, that, that hope as well. In fact, he says in, in, several times that he that overcomes, there's some overcoming to be done. He that overcomes. Uh, so let's talk a little bit. Now, before I even get, maybe I'll back up one step. When you get to Revelation 21, there are some authors that say that he's talking about the the church itself there only. Um, and I wouldn't be adamant about it. There's, a, there's some benefits or some, um, um, some things there that I think would lend itself to that a little bit. Uh, I think he's talking about in symbolic terms. Number one, we can't understand that other side till we get to the other side. Um, so I think he uses terms that our minds can, can grasp and, and, and hold on to. Uh, is the city literally 1,400 miles high, 1,400 miles wide, and 1,400 miles long? No. I think it's, that indicates the vastness of it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little while. And oh, by the way, another thing, if, it's, um, if that's literal, it's going to be hard to fit that into Palestine when he comes back and they say and, and sets up a literal kingdom there. And if this is all literal, uh, 1,400 miles, uh, every direction would cover the Middle East, not just that little country of Israel. So 
he can't mean that literally, but he uses literal terms for our little Forrest Gump minds to, to, to get around and, and to see how he describes this new Jerusalem. So we're going to, a couple of, few caveats there, I, I know that, but um, let's, uh, let's talk about the city that we're all going to, because we saw some cities on the Seven Churches of Asia tour that most of them we wouldn't want to live there. Um, this one, this one we do. And I'm actually going to read a, a, a few things this morning, particularly to get started. If you would turn to Hebrews 11, we'll go to Hebrews 11, then we'll go to a little bit on Hebrews 8. Uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12, my bad. Uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 8 through 10, follow with me. Of course, the great Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11, talking about Abraham. Um, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place <clears throat> which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, and I notice, dwelling in tents. With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. It's interesting that uh, some versions, uh, I think the New American Standard, especially if, if you've got that version, when he says um, the builder and maker in our language, well, that's the same, it's describing the same thing, not really. The, the, the maker there is the word architect uh, in the New American Standard, maybe others. It says that God is the architect. He's the planner. He's the one that, that came up with the concept. And he's very symmetrical. We see that even in the Old Testament. He's very detailed. He's not only the architect, but he's the builder. He's the maker of all of this. And then compare that when he says that the foundations. What kind of foundation did Abraham live on? What kind of foundation did he have? Sand? Temporary? Um, so he compares and contrasts here that, that this, this is not like Abraham. We're not, going to, <clears throat> pardon, we're not going to be living in a tent, and we're not going to be living on sand. That this great architect of the universe and the builder of the universe, along with his son, we're going to have a solid foundation where we're going if, if, we, stay, if we stay faithful. Now... Jump over to, just one chapter, to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, and we'll start with uh, verse 22. We'll read three or four verses there as a kind of a prep. Now, you just talked about the, when the law came down, how people were terrified. In fact, what was the reaction to the Jews when they saw up on the mountain all the smoke and the quaking, and did they say, you know, this is awesome. We hope to see this again. What did they say? Don't, don't, please don't let us see this again because we fear and quake. Moses was afraid and came back with the veil and all of that. So... Um, <laughs> they didn't want any part of any part of that God again. 
uh, as far as face-to-face. -face. Okay, they said it was terrifying. We, we exceedingly quake, afraid and trembling. Now look at verse 22. But you, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, now notice, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel, who are registered in heaven. Uh, what some of the other um, similar phrases have we heard already in the first two or three chapters? Registered in heaven. We'll see it toward the end, too. Written in the book. Written in the book. And then in, in 22, toward the end, the book of life. The book of life. Registered in heaven. Yeah. What connotation do you get from that? Is that a uh, scary thing or is that a comforting thing that we faithful Christians are registered in heaven, that they are written in God's book of life? He's not going to forget me. That is exactly right. Does he know our names? God knows your name. He knows your name. It's registered in heaven. Now, there's, there's a possibility, if we don't keep at it, that he can blot our names out. But he knows your name. He knows my name. We are registered in heaven. Now, registration in the first century, well, any of that time, general time frame, was a big deal. Um, in Luke 2, I believe, Luke 2, um, when, when Joseph went back with Mary, with the baby Jesus who wasn't born yet, to be registered, to confirm their registry, you were, you were registered as a citizen of a city then. And that was a big deal. It had a lot of privileges with it. It used to mean a lot in this country. Now it doesn't. Uh, you, were, you, were, you, could be you were registered to vote. doesn't mean anything anymore. But it did then. They were registered um, as citizens, citizens of that, of that city and that country. And Jesus said, uh, uh, you're registered in that country up there. And God knows your name and you're a citizen there. Question to comment so far. Uh, Don. If you, if you go back to the law and look at the registry, uh, when they were registered, it was, it was identified as what tribe they were in and what inheritance in the promised land was there. And they were considered to be a, a full citizen <clears throat> acceptable to go into worship. And one of the problems coming back out of Babylonian captivity It's a big deal, isn't it? It was a big deal then. 
it's a big deal now to have our names registered in heaven. And he, God knows us personally. It's a big deal. In Revelation chapter 21 and 22, here again, this, this is for our feeble minds to be able to grasp. I, I tried to, uh, even when we studied the seven churches of Asia a few years ago, I did not have this. this. I've, I got three aspects of this new Jerusalem, three overarching aspects of the new Jerusalem that I want to fill in some, uh, some of the bone, uh, some flesh underneath those bones. Um, it's interesting that I, I call the first one fellowship. That this new Jerusalem, um, we have this, the, the concept of fellowship. Before, um, in 21 verses 1 through 7, and we're going to get into actually some of these individual verses in a minute. I'm just trying to hit a kind of a high level at this point. Uh, what was the tabernacle? It says that in this new Jerusalem, uh, our, our tabernacle, God is going to be our tabernacle, going to be our temple. What was the tabernacle, by the way? Okay, it was a tent, wasn't it? Now, it was elaborate. God said, I want you this, you know, you, you got to do all these things in, the, in a way that I choose and all the different colors. And uh, Did the average person have access to the tabernacle? No, 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 no. Did not. Just the tribe of Levi, right? And, uh, and just some of them, sons of Aaron. So you just didn't walk in. You know, you had the uh, holy place and the most holy place. You didn't go in and say, I've always been wondered what went on back here. Well, that's your last day. That's your last day on the earth. Um, it had, to, it had to be carried, and, and even by poles, you could not touch it. So I want you to keep that picture in mind as we contrast that to the New Jerusalem. Um, when it says that, that there, uh, look in verse 1, uh, Revelation 21 and verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now notice. And there was no more sea. What do, what do oceans and seas and well, even rivers on a smaller degree, lakes, what, what does that generally do? It separates or divides, doesn't it? Now, under the tabernacle and even in the temple, which we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit, there was a separation. We, God's people were separated. There was this barrier, if you will, this sea under the old law. Now that old law was done away when Jesus died on the cross, Colossians 2 and other places. In this new Jerusalem, this new heaven, this new earth, this Mount Zion, this, this mental, um, very uh, elaborate picture that, that, that Jesus is painting for us, he says there's no more sea. So what does that imply in this, our new home one day? Rick. The purpose of the sea was for priests to cleanse themselves. In fact, now that we are considered, in my mind, a royal priesthood, we're already cleansed. Mm. It's not mm. 
really good. Um, they would, the laborers, they, they would have to wash in these things before the priest could go in, this ceremonial cleansing, and before they could have access. Here, there, there's no more of that. We will have access to God himself in this new Jerusalem because Hebrews does call us priests, a royal priesthood with our great high priest Jesus. So priests have access. Uh, under the new law, we have access, and when we die, God is going to be, we're going to be with him. There's not going to be any more barriers, any more sea. He goes on to say that I will be your God and you will be my son or, we, son, or, or daughter. We're going to know him. We're gonna, he's going to put this stamp on our forehead, so to speak, that we're his, and, and he's going to live among us, or we're going to live among him. Maybe it's a better way to say it. It's his place. Um, and there's not going to be any more separation. Is that comforting? Compare that to before. Said, we, we, we don't even want to see that ever again, all this quaking and so on, to the point where we're going to be with him, sitting with him sitting at his feet, worshiping him. Now, what are we going to do there? Uh, I don't know. I've got a feeling I'm going to be singing. I'm going to be a tenor singer and going to be one of the best. That's my goal was to always t uh, be a tenor singer, and I can't carry a tune. Uh, well, I'm not as bad as Tom Bourne, but I, 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 I'm, I'm a little better than that, but not by much. Sorry, Homer. Um, but there's going to be singing and worshiping and, and conversation and, and all these great things. Now, you hear these people talk, well, you know, uh, he was a good, we're going to be able to golf and we're going to be, that probably got the best fishing. We're not golfing and fishing there or anything else. Not going to be, it's going to be a great rock band because of all these heathen that died. Forget about that. God, we're going to be among God, with God and his son, and we're going to be doing, worshiping, and I got a feeling we're going to walk around most of the time going, wow. Now, if that doesn't appeal to you, um, don't know, don't know about that. Don't know about that. But we're going to have access to him, and that, to me that's just a wonderful thought. We're going to have access to this architect who built this place for you and me if we stay faithful. Gary. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's a really good point. Someone turned to Psalms 84 and verse 10. And somebody may say, I, I was hoping you'd bring that up or somebody would. Uh, well, wait. Serving, that sounds like work. Well, when you get to Psalms 84 and verse 10, somebody has a loud voice, read that. Uh, Doug, real loud. Psalms 84 and verse 10, and see how David viewed all of that. Go ahead. For a day of your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a bookkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Okay. I, David said, one day with God is better than a thousand. And he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the temple of God than, than spend 
my time with, with all these other, other things and other people. That if God wants me to open doors for people, you got your man. I'll be glad to do that. Service, yes, uh, but it, it's going to be wonderful. And David said, even he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in God's kingdom. Going to be okay. What are we going to do 100%? We're going to serve him. We're going to praise him. And I, after that, it's up to him. But I want to go there. You know, the, Paul said, I don't know what we're going to be like, but I know this. We're going to be like him. That should be good enough. Lance, real, real quick, and then Ryan, real quick. No, no, we're all good. Yes, it does. Good point. So we've had fellowship. We just, I think we established that without any, without any doubt. And there's going to be protection there. I find that interesting. Number one, God's there. I'm good with that. We can all go home now. There's a great high wall. A great high wall. And it's interesting that it says it's measured by an angel's forearm. That's, that's how they measured stuff then. How, 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 how long was an angel's forearm? I don't know. Big. I'll go with big. Uh, but it talks about being 144 cubits, which is 210 feet, if I remember my math. But some even say that's the, that's the depth, that's the width of the wall. Can you imagine a wall? I, I lean toward that. Uh, versus the height, it's going to be high, so to speak, for our minds. Protection, God said, I'm going to protect you. Don't worry about it. You're not being, you know, you're going through all these th terrible things on the earth right now, but there's a day coming when we go to, you'll be at my house, and there's a great and high wall. I'll be there, and it's secure. He says there's 12 gates, symmetrical, three on every side. Now, What's there? Angel is there at each gate for our minds. Number one, the gates never close. Uh, and the gates, each gate is a pearl, one pearl. Pretty impressive. Never seen one that big. So there's an angel guarding all the gates. This is for these people that are going through all this and for us going through it all. The measurement of the city is a perfect cube. There's the symmetry of God again. It's as high as it is long as it is wide. Protected. There's no temple needed there. Well, why not? Why is there not a temple? God's the temple. Jesus is the temple. And all the implications of temple. Worship. Access. Blessings. All of that. We're not going to need any physical structure anymore, whether it's a tabernacle or a temple. We got God. That's enough. And that's what he's saying here. Well, oh boy, what are we going to do for light? God and his son are, will be the light. What three things do we need for, to, to live on this earth? What 
Got to have them. We think, well, you got to have a color TV. You gotta, no, no, no. Uh, got to have an iPhone 12, right? No, no, no. Food, a water, food, and light. Can you grow with those three things? Well, we do. We're going to see those in the next slide or two, some of that, where the tree of life, uh, water. What did Jesus say in uh, John 2? John 2 or John 4? I believe maybe John 4. The woman at the well. She's going and she said, well, I'm just going to get thirsty again. We all do. We're, you know, we all got to drink water in the desert. But guess what? When you drink it, you got to have more. Jesus said, I'm the water. You drink of me, you'll never be thirsty again. So, there, there, in fact, not only what three things do you have to live, what three things are you the most scared of? Darkness, fire, water. Lord destroyed the, the, the world the first time with water. Well, they all drowned. The second one is going to be with fire and what else? The blackness of darkness. That's what hell is going to be. You're going to be on fire, but it's going to be so black. And so it doesn't, the Bible, he doesn't say just black. Or dark, he said, the blackness of darkness. So what are we scared of? What are scared, I didn't, say, I didn't mean to say us scared, that's Kentucky. <laughs> scared of darkness, drowning, and burning. What does it take to live? Water, food, and light. So there's a big contrast. So I don't think these things are accidental. And oh, by the way, well, what's going to keep... Uh, these uh, dealers and everything slipping in this place. Those days are gone. Do we have gates with angels? Yes, yes. That's the picture we got. But he goes on to say, there's nothing that defiles is going to come into my city. I remember when he talks about the cowardly, the unbelieving, the homosexual, all these things. Not going to be there. Now, Ryan, you had a, qu a comment. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's right. That's what we'll be doing. <laughs> and if you notice too, I just I just I'm sitting reading this this week that it talks about the walls, we'll get to that in a second, uh, of the different, you know, the 12 stones with, with built on the 12 apostles, and there's like jasper and hyacinth and all these things, and all that's beautiful. Is it more beautiful on the inside? Absolutely. A street of gold? Is, is gold real heavy? Yeah, six, eight, ten times heavier than a, than a, than a rock? Does gold... Is gold shine? Yes, it shines. Does it tarnish? No, it doesn't. Can you see through gold? No. This picture says it's, you can, it's so shiny you can see through it. That's the gold there. That, that, that's interesting in itself, that study. So not only these other things, but he says, I'm gonna, there are provisions there. there. I'm going to provide for you there. 
touched on a little bit already. Uh, where does this water proceed from? From the throne. And it flows from his throne, and that's the water of life. Now, what is, it says on either side of the throne, I'm not quite sure how, how the tree of life is on both sides of the water, but here's what I think, that there's one tree of life and it's, and, and it's shaded, or the, the, the branches go over both sides. That's the only thing I could come up with. Otherwise, you've got two trees of life. But anyway, you have the source of water, we have the source of food. God says, I'm going to provide for you. Uh, don't worry about that. I'm going to provide for you. The provisions are that, that we'll see God's face. What does that look like? I don't know. It'd be too great to even describe. Uh, it, what, what, did it, what did God do uh, with Paul when he, in 2 Corinthians 12, when he went up to the third heaven? Um, what did he see there? I don't know. But it was so wonderful that what did God do to Paul? He gave him a thorn in the flesh, remember that? Because he said, yeah, I've seen wonderful, wonderful things. And to keep me humble, uh, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. And he said, I asked God three times to remove this. It must have been that bad. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So we'll see God's face. No one has seen God's face on this earth and lived. The Bible talks about that. Our, our, his name will be on our foreheads, as it were, uh, denoting ownership. He said, I'm going to provide. I've all, has he always provided for us? Think about it. He has. He has. A lot of crazy things going on in the world, yes. But does he provide for us? Old Testament writer said, I've never seen saints begging for food. He'll provide for us. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? You're worried about a lot of stuff here, people, he's saying, basically. Seek first. The kingdom of God is righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. They didn't promise we'd be rich. But he says, I promise that you'll have enough. I promise you'll have enough. And as even Brian mentioned in his lesson this morning with Mary and Martha, uh, two of his best, best friends, along with Lazarus, um, he said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. She was waiting on them. And, and, and he didn't say you're doing what wrong, but he said Mary's done she, she's taking the higher road. She, she wants to hear more about me and less about the preparing of food and all. But um, he says, I'll take care of you. Now, either we have faith that he will or, or we don't. The presence of God. The presence and fellowship with God forms the essential feature of the age to come. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier. And I let that sink in a little bit. The presence and fellowship with God is going to be the essential feature of heaven. There'll be someone pointed out there's no death, no sorrow, no crying. Well, how's he going to do all that? I don't know. What if my child or my grandmother or, or whatever didn't make it? 
Well, I'll worry about them the whole time. No, you won't. I don't know. He just says there'll be no sorrow, no pain, no crying in heaven. Now, were those things going on then? Are those things going on now? Yes, absolutely they are. But when we cross over, we go through that next door. When that next door opens called death and we go through on the other side, those days are past us, Gary. Yes. Well, it, I did a little study on that this week, and then we'll, here again, Sean's going to be teaching this, or I th- here, here I want when we get to it. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I think this is part of the. Um, it says it bore twelve fruits, the tree of life. I think it's under the general context of food. Remember the food, water, light. He just said in the verse 1 about the water of life, and then he talks about the tree of life that, that you will be able to eat from and never get hungry again. And then the, I think that's almost metaphorical for the healing of the nations, the healing of the people that are there, this food source, I think. That's the best I could, I could come up with. Uh, we've, we've touched on some of this, but <clears throat> I underlined what I thought was important. First. 1 John 3 and verse 2. 1 John, I want you to go there. We're down to five minutes. 1 John 3 and verse 2. Oh, by the way, Sean, Wednesday night we have singing, and Sean will pick this up for the next several months uh, when he gets back, starting at Revelation 4. Um, 1 John 3 and verse 2. I said Paul said this. Um, John said it. Beloved, now we are children of God, and has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What are we going to be like? You go, go to 1 Corinthians um, 15, when it talks about the body. What kind of body are we going to have? Well, that's as close as we can, I think we can get in 1 Corinthians 15. It's like dropping a piece of corn in the ground. It dies, just like we got to die. And then this tremendous shoot comes up. It don't look like that corn. That's going to be our body. I don't know. But we'll find out one day. And, and that's going to be wonderful. Here's a picture, net-net, bottom line, as we walk away. Heaven is strong. It's beautiful. It's spacious. Well, there are going to be millions of people there. That's correct. Well, there's going to be room. Don't worry about the room. It's going to be all right. Strong, spacious, beautiful, perfect city, dwelling in perfect fellowship with our perfect God. And I think all anybody could say there is amen. And we look forward to the day when we can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord. Welcome to the holy city. 
Can you imagine the homecoming that's going to be with all these angels? Tens of thousands, ever how many he's got of angels. And I suspect, I think it's got, it inc inclinates a couple of places. I didn't write that down, but I studied this week. That they're going to be welcoming us home. When you get over in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, I think it's the last verse, if I remember right. When it said, angels aren't for, uh, angels are our servants for you and me. They are messengers. They are, what's their role? I don't know. But they help us. And can you imagine walking through that great gate one day and angels by the thousands welcoming you home? So as Brian said this morning, is it worth it? you got to ask yourself that. Luke 14, count the cost. That's up to you. Uh, some, some it's, it's not worth it uh, for this life or to attach to this life. Uh, we do have maybe, uh, Don, you had, I had one or two more minutes, and then when the next one rings, we're done. Just, just back to the tree of life. Okay. I have. You use the leaves for curing the ailments. So the ailments of humanity in a physical body are all going to be gone by the same tree that gives us life. I think that's true. And that certainly ties in, it's consistent with everything else, wasn't it? No crying, no healing, no sickness, no dying. So the medicinal purposes and, and all of that, once we eat of that tree, and I think it does fall. Uh, Cascade over to on both sides of the of the of the river of life, and uh, will we physically eat it? I don't. Know. Maybe. Will we physically drink the water that comes from His throne? Maybe. I don't know. But I know I know it's going to be wonderful. And I thank you for clarifying that. Don, I think you're 100 percent correct, Gary. And then we'll stop. Well, people are coming from all nations. Yes. They'll be, they'll be saved there from, from all nations. And I, that's the way I, I think it, what it means, Gary. People. People. Different people. I also think that could be, by the way, before everybody gets here, why there's um, 12 gates. 12 gates covers 360 degrees, obviously. North, east, south, west. And everyone's going to have access to this picture we just painted, God just painted for us. And it doesn't matter if you're from Africa or you, wherever you're from, you'll have access to this if you follow me. I believe that's why, versus just one gate. Now, whether it be 12 gates, probably not. But for our, our minds, we all have access through these 12 gates, whatever direction we live on, on the planet. I think that's what that means. Thank you, and uh, look forward to Sean taking over the class next Sunday, Lord willing.